1: Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless.
0: How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? so Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds.
2: Welcome everybody to another episode of Dr. Matt and Dr. Mike's Medical Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Mike Todorovich. I'm joined by my co-host, Dr. Matt Barton. Maddie, how are you? Good morning, Michael. How's everything been? Uh, different. What do you mean?
1: Uh, I'm a, a dad yeah. version two, father
2: version two. Right. Uh, is it different second time around? Um. I've got two kids. Yeah. Well, it was different second time In some around.
1: ways. Yeah. Like you know what to expect. So two girls. Two girls now. Right. So just had a, on the 29th of May, we had a daughter called Halima. Yeah. And the birth went well. Cool. That so was under four hours. It was quite quick. That is quick. So Sunday midnight, my wife woke me up and said, oh, I may have some contractions here. And I was like, it's all right wake me up when it gets serious <laughs> <laughs> and you rolled over and back to sleep you went no it was probably within 10 minutes that it became active kind of contractions and then yeah. by the time we're in the car on the way i was timing it in the car and they were maybe every two minutes every two right. or three minutes and they'll last in about what time was this seconds. uh this was just before 1 a.m.
2: Oh, yay. What a good time.
1: And so by the time we got to the hospital, and I mean it actually worked out well in terms of availability of staff and so forth at right. 1 a.m. on a Sunday morning. Yeah. Or Monday morning. Um, so we arrived. She was already five centimetres. By the time we moved through. It's a small baby. <laughs> yeah. By the time cervix, we, cervix. Cervix. Sorry, by yes. By the time we moved through the assessment uh, induction part of uh, the Presentation We then moved
2: to the birthing ward. Did you say I've got this? And, well, then, actually, I, and then did the midwife one say, One of the midwives was an ex student. Oh, really? Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> so I already I, I knew them. All right. Which was, no, it was great. She, she did a wonderful job. Oh, that's good. And um, it progressed pretty quickly.
2: Wow. And uh, obviously, no troubles because I've seen your beautiful little girl and uh, she's happy, healthy. She's a chunky monkey, which yeah, is good.
1: Yeah. So, Feeding well, pooping well, sleeping relatively well. Wow.
2: So better than me in all three realms. So yes, that's, that's right. <laughs> that's great.
1: So uh, it's gone. I mean, it's, you forget what the newborn days were like. It's tiring. Like they poo a lot. They poo like a lot. Like you get used to a two-year-old yeah. and they're pooing maybe, oh, I don't say yeah. pooing. They're changing nappies every four
2: hours-ish, yeah. right? Yeah. This yeah. one's like every hour and a bit. Yeah, and the, the poo's not great. No substance doesn't, doesn't that. smell, though. That's a good thing about it. That's that. true. Yet, until the gut flora comes in properly and then give it a month and...
1: I think it's just milk. I think the milk you doesn't reckon? really smell. Uh, I think once
2: you get to solids... Yeah, that's. I think that's when the gut flora really starts to yeah. kick in, too. So, uh, well, congratulations. Thank you. It is a big thing. Uh, like I said, I've got two kids and it's not easy. Uh, <laughs> but luckily... I get to sneak away every now and then into our studio where uh, we are right now to do podcasts. Yes. And today, our topic is epithelia. And epithelia is one of the four tissue types of the body, You know what the term means? No. Well, epi means on. Thelium, I think, means nipple. Nipple. So it means on the nipple. (laughs) Is it because that's where they first sort of classified the tissue as, hey, that one looks different. That tissue looks different. Maybe. Um, I should have looked into it. Yeah, instead of asking me yeah. straight up what's yes. it mean. Um, all right, so epithelia. Now, I know that very recently your mum, uh, who lives down in Sydney, with well, down Not in New, Sydney, South Wales, New South Wales. Wales. So We're Matt, in Queensland. That's right. Matt and I are in the uh, northeast of the country. Uh, beautiful, sunny Queensland. Best part of the world, I think. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> Sun cancer capital of the planet. Yes, there we go. Which is quite relevant to today's conversation and relevant to your mum. Uh, she had a skin cancer that had to get cut out, and it was pretty aggressive, right?
1: Yeah. So my mother, actually, I inherited my skin from my mother. Oh. Um, so that is poor quality skin. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it's it does its job, well, but, <laughs> but it's not so good for living in some, a country some like parts Australia. Of the job. I think we're we're designed. We have skin for. Iceland or Northern Scotland. Yeah, or underground. (laughs) Underground, (laughs) That's right. So my mother has had some skin cancers beforehand. Yeah. So she gets a regular, uh, I think, yearly dermatology uh, examination. Yeah. And I think this particular one, this is a year ago, she went and uh, it was present, but there was just too many for the dermatologist to burn off. Or freeze off. Uh, so this across one was on the body, or yeah, of face, particularly. Right. So there's one on the nose, and she was like, "What do you think of this?" And the dermatologist was like, "Oh, we could be here all day." So right. left it. So th- Is was that co- common? Uh, just leave it. I think it was just. I think once you get to an age of seventy, yeah. Um, there's a lot of skin lesions that right. look just questionable. That fires. That's right. Yeah. So this one was located on the left. Yeah, Left nostril like kind just of above it, yeah um kind of in that fold between the maxilla and your
2: the cheek and the nose nose yeah
1: and uh Mom had just noticed it was slightly worsening as the day well weeks progressed now yeah. worsening in the sense of just getting larger getting larger and maybe more scaly right um so it's not it wasn't pigmented like yeah. it wasn't a melanoma Mm-hmm uh, that would be the concern if it's a pigmented lesion, but yeah. this was just a scaly one, which right. is either a squamous cell carcinoma or a, a basal cell carcinoma, Yeah, which we can talk to a bit later. Um, now you can get creams and I actually have cream myself for this mm-hmm. and it's, it's basically like a chemotherapy, right? Um, but it's a cream. So you just put it on for uh, three weeks and it, basically knocks off all the highly mitotic cells that you put it onto. Wow. So I think she even used that, but it didn't kind of do the job. Now, in the town where my mother lives, uh, you can only get to the specialist once a year if you're lucky because that's that's how booked out it is. Okay, so regardless, you're not going to get in. But mum started to notice it was getting quite bad. She contacted them and they're like, "We, we can get you in at this date. And I think she sent a photo, and they were like, "Oh, just get a biopsy from the GP." But the GP was it even reluctant because it was in a very awkward position. Yeah. So right I think they got, I think they, the yeah, I think yeah. they got some out, and they found that it was a SCC squamous cell carcinoma. And by the time she got back to the dermatologist, which I guess was um, April this year, yeah, um, the dermatologist was like, "Yeah, it's definitely SCC," and I'm guessing it's kind of left its uh, epith- epidermis. Right. So we would wa- want you to go and get it cut out by plastics. or well, not plastics, by basically an oncologist surgeon in Sydney. Right. Now Because
2: they were worried that it had I- invaded other tissue. Yeah.
1: And so um, they w- she went to Sydney, um, which is the nearest capital centre city, and they do a procedure where basically they're taking out tissue and... Uh, doing histological analyses almost in real time just to see if they got margins. Wow. yeah. And by the time they'd finished that, she'd probably lost half of her left side of her nose. Wow. Once they cut all the margins out.
2: Wow, wow.
1: So I have seen the pictures. Have I showed you the pictures? Yeah. 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 So, so you can actually see right into the septum. Yeah, it's quite gross. So quite a significant um, incision. Yes. And so what then needed to happen is um, – The plastic surgeon needed to come and reconstruct the nose. And so the surgeon took a big flap from the forehead. Mm. So like a big chunk of tissue from the forehead, spun it around and attached it to that hole. Wow. And the reason why they did that is so it could take – so it's called a pedicle and so that takes the blood vessel with it. So that chunk of tissue is still fed with the original blood vessel. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. And so that – reattached it and that way that tissue is being fed well by a blood vessel and so amazing all the other tissue that it's trying to um anastomose with that they need to kind of uh build their own uh, angiogenic uh supply mm. does that make sense so yeah. if you didn't have that blood supply you would be at risk of having necrotic tissue yes last thing you want in but, both places but luckily that blood supply fed the whole pedicle and then all the neighbouring where it kind of had the join. Now, how is she doing now? So that was operation one. Oh. Operation two. And that so when you saw that, that was quite confronting yes. because it was a big kind of bridge of tissue. Yeah,
2: across her face.
1: And then operation two was to rebuild the nostril so they had to get cartilage from rib. Wow, and really? Because otherwise the nostril would just be closed yeah. in. So They had to build the nostril out again. That was operation two. Operation three was to remove the bridge out. So it was basically to remove all the other parts. Why the bridge? Because it was still connected up to the forehead.
2: Right. So
1: they had to kind of cut all that oh, away. Oh, not the bridge of the nose. You no. mean the skin
2: bridge yeah. between the, the tissue bridge. And the nose. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Wow. So they had to cut that away. So that was number three. Three surgeries, yeah. And now how is she doing? How is she looking?
1: Great. I mean, like you'd, you'd notice. Sure. But if you were walking past in the street, yeah. you wouldn't. Wow. So
2: the plastic surgeons are amazing. Oh, they are amazing. And so she had a squamous cell carcinoma. Yeah. So this is a cancer of an epithelial type. Correct. Which is the topic of today, epithelia. Yeah. And I think once we start going through terms, uh, it will make sense what a squamous cell carcinoma is, right? Yeah. So should we begin by talking about the fact that uh, epithelia is one of the four tissue types of the body and that you could basically take. Every tissue – so when we look at tissues, they're comprised of cells that sort of come together to work – Similar function. Similar function. And there's four main types. There's nervous tissue, there's connective tissue, there's muscle tissue, and there's epithelial tissue. We've done a podcast, unsurprisingly, on all of these except today's topic, So we've done a podcast on tissue
1: that kind of summarizes each one briefly. We've done a specific one on connective tissue and of muscle, not of nervous, I don't
2: think. Well, we've done the nervous system, but But not not nervous nervous tissue tissue explicitly.
1: But epithelium is an important one. really is. And that's for today.
2: Yeah, and many students uh, need to go through the epithelium, need to understand it and apply it. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to give you the information that you need to understand epithelia. So one of the four tissue types. Now, remember that you could probably broadly classify each tissue and correct me if I'm wrong or add something right? So I'm just doing this off the top of my head. Muscle tissue is there to perform work. It allows for movement to happen of some kind, right? So the muscles contract cells. Yeah. So muscles of our skeletal system, move the body uh, muscles in our blood vessels uh, move blood and the muscles of our heart move blood. Um, the you know, so we've got multitude of different. And in My
1: wife's case,
2: smooth muscle of the uterus, which moves a baby out. Very true. Uh, so then you've got connective tissue. You which say, and you say cardiac, cardiac tissue, heart. I did say it's that, yes. Bad. Okay. Um, you've got nervous <laughs> tissue. Uh, basically, they're for communication. So understanding what's happening in the external, internal environment and then being able to respond to it. Uh, so, so, sorry, did I say connective or nervous? Nervous. Okay, nervous. You've got connective tissue, which is to wrap, bind and anchor. So sort of holding things together. And then finally, you've got epithelial tissue, which lines hollow structures. It basically forms barriers between environments. That's how I describe it. Uh, so, covers body surfaces. Yes. So, that would be the skin, like yes. we
1: explained. Uh, well, when it goes wrong, skin cancer. Yep. Then it lines body cavities. Yes. So, that would be like the abdominal cavity, any time the there's a hole. Cavity, but then it also is the surface of organs, right? Yep. So it generally is referred to
2: as serosa
1: many of yep. the time, right?
2: Yeah. Um, Not the organ itself, but usually the um, membrane that surrounds the organ. Right, Yep. Yeah. Like the, then, the organ itself won't be necessarily epithelia. And then pipes within the body.
1: Yeah. So that could be your respiratory pipes. Yeah. So the, on the inner part of that. So, that would
2: be where the air is. Yeah. Any any surface facing an environment. The gut. Yeah. But also blood vessels. Yep. Okay. And also the ventricles of our brain.
1: Yep. So, anything hollow. And then you also have glands, yes. which are epithelium.
2: Yes. Very true.
1: So, that then is generally pretty much it.
2: Yeah. And, it, you know, it's function if you think about it, right? Um, broadly, if you're going to have a tissue type that's exposed to an environment, Its job is to interact with that environment in some way. So maybe the environment is damaging, so the epithelia needs to be protective. Sometimes the environment needs to provide nutrients, so it needs to be absorptive. Sometimes the environment needs something to be released into it, so sometimes epithelia will be secretive. Does that make sense? Yeah, and
1: it needs to move things.
2: needs to move things. Uh, Sometimes gases need to be moved, so it's going to play a role in diffusion. So, okay, yep. so you know, the epithelia, its function really is determined by where it is. But also it's very important to state that with epithelia, there's this saying that we like to say, which is form equals function. So you can actually look at the structure of the epithelia and it tells you what it does. That's yeah, pretty yeah, good. Yeah. Which yeah. I, I and when you love. say you
1: look at it, you're basically
2: doing it with a microscope and... Histological. Stains. Yes. So looking at the, the structure... Of the cell itself. So broadly speaking with epithelia, um, like we said, this tissue lines hollow organs and lines structures, uh, separates out environments. But it's important to say that it's avascular. Okay. It doesn't have a dedicated blood supply. So what does that then mean to you in regards to, because all cells need to be fed. So if it doesn't have a blood supply to it, how does it get fed? Um,
1: through diffusion. So through, where, through, I guess extracellular fluid.
2: Yeah. So where is the blood supply generally that's going to be feeding epithelia? Um, what what are the four in, tissue types? Will it be in connective tissue? Yeah. Can the underlying? Because am I wrong that all epithelia at some point will be bound to connective tissue? Okay, that's good. Because I'll just
1: quickly mention – I was going to mention this and I was trying to figure out how I, I can bring this into it. Right. But when we look at epithelial as a classification, before we go into classifying it by shape and layers, yeah. uh, another prin- important principle that all epithelium have are the surfaces of the epithelia. Right. Okay, so you have the top surface that faces the external environment.
2: Right, so this might be the surface that faces uh, the hollow inside of our stomach yep. or esophagus or blood vessel yep. or urethra yep. or ventricles. But that's Or the surf-
1: outside world if it's the skin. Oh, right. And that's yep. called the what? A- that's called the apical surface. Apical, yeah. Okay, so that is one principle that it has to have an apical surface, that surface that's facing outwards or externally. Yep. Okay. Then there are... The surfaces on the side, so the lateral surfaces. Okay. And this is where it adjoins its neighbour.
2: So Co- other epithelium. Yeah,
1: because in most cases epithelium is in a sheet. So they're kind of like yeah. uh, like a neighbourhood or houses yeah, like next like to each other. bricks
2: or, or bricks
1: in a wall. Or bricks in a wall, that's yeah. right. And so where the, they meet in their adjoining neighbour, not on top of each other but next to, yeah, that's the lateral surface. And then we have the underneath... Which is the basal surface?
2: Basal, like basement. Basement, and yeah. then when and we t- and what's the ba- the basal surface connected to? The basal membrane, or the what's the term? It could be other underlying epithelia too, right? If it's oh, right. many layers.
1: Yeah, but when we specifically refer to the the basal uh, membrane, I guess that's the base of.
2: So the very bottom, bottom or most deep epithelial layer of cells that's, uh, th- that's going to be attached to a basal membrane. Yeah, which and is connective tissue. Right,
1: that's connective And then that tissue. would then be in con-
2: continuation with connective tissue now. Okay, and, and so that's when where the vascular got, supply correct. is yep. and the nervous supply? Yeah. So that means that... Uh, Epithelia. Do epithelia have any blood ve- uh, not blood vessels, we yes. know it's but it's got nerves that can yeah. come from the connective tissue up into Correct. them. And that gives us sensation, for example, receptors for yeah, me- and that, mechanical. So that chemical could be chemical. that could be bare nerve endings.
1: Right. So that could be nociceptors. Like nociceptors or or they, temperature receptors. Th- there may be specialized endings on those nerves which yep. are actually epithelium as well. So right. when you talk about mechanoreceptors but also taste receptors, light receptors. Um, What else could you have?
2: I'm just trying to think of all the special things. Chemical, um, taste, light, um, uh, 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 pressure. uh, These are epithelium as well. So you've got,
1: let's say like...
2: Modified epithelia.
1: Yeah, so you might have certain pressure receptors in your skin Mm -hmm. that pick up vibration or displacement. They are like, let's say, onion layers of onions, which have epithelium in them, and through the dip- displacement of those mechanically, it would but cause the
2: layers around the end of the neuron, right? Yeah. Okay, so it's epithelia, modified epithelia lying in the outside of the receptor of the neuron, mm. right?
1: And so, by the displacement of those layers or of those cells, epithelial cells, they can change the way that, I guess. Uh, ions move through them, yep. which can then lead to graded potentials, and then ultimately lead into an action potential into that neuron, yep. and then that would be processed as a signal. You know, if it's going to be mechanotransduction, it would then be movement.
2: Okay, so you can then so you basically highlighted that one function of epithelia can be for us to interact with the environment, yes, to and detect spe- what's happening, special receptors. That's right, either in the external environment or the internal mm-hmm. environment. Okay, so w- we've got that. I just want to go back very briefly again to the fact it's avascular and, and why it's avascular because people might think, why doesn't it have a dedicated blood supply? And I think there's a couple of reasons there. Uh, one, if you've got a... And I'm just working on first principles here. One, if you've got a blood supply that is so superficial, so, you know, right at the surface... Because oh, yeah, we know yeah. that epithelia is right at the surface, right? It interacts with the environment. If you've got a vascular supply so close to that surface, any damage, trauma, you're gonna bleed.
1: Yeah.
2: Right? And this is actually something that we see when we go move to dry places and we get blood noses. Our nasal cavity, which is lined by epithelia, it does have a blood supply that's very superficial. It's still not in the epithelia. It's just we have very thin epithelia there. And when it dries out, the epithelia cracks and we bleed out of the nose. Now, if that was in other organs and structures, it would bleed out all the time. We don't want that. That's the first reason. I think the, the,
1: maybe the, the exception there, though, is the blood vessel that is in such close proximity to your mucosa. Yes. Partly is a function of warming air.
2: Yes. Or well, humidifying. the, the mucosa well. in the nasal. Yeah. Yes, exactly right. Whereas
1: if you compare it to the skin... Mm-hmm you really don't really want blood that close to the surface because yes.
2: of the concern of lacerations and losing blood. And that's my second point is that when you look at the skin, for example, uh, the type of epithelia that that's there is epithelia that's supposed to protect us from what's happening outside. And so it's not uncommon for us to get scrapes, hits, knocks, bruises, well, you know, things like that where the epithelia is going to get damaged. And one, you don't want to bleed out. But two, you don't need to supply blood to cells that aren't alive. Yeah. And many of the epithelia right on the surface of protective areas dead. are dead. Yeah. And so they don't need a dedicated blood supply. Now, I think this is a nice transition for us. Again, mind Tra- the pun. transitional you, epithelium. Yeah, you'll find out later on. This is a nice transition for us to talk about um, the way that we can classify epithelia in regards to two things. What are those two things, the way we classify epithelia? Through? Okay, yeah, so it's through the shape of them? Yes. And through how many layers they have? That's right. Shape and layers. Let's go through the shape. What, two main shapes? Um, three main three shapes. Three main shapes. Yep. Sorry, yes. Okay, so uh, Squam- what are the three main shapes? Squamous. All right, so that's squished
1: like a pancake. Yeah, so the width of the cell is greater than the height. Gotcha. Yeah.
2: Yep. Cuboidal. Right, so just a square.
1: The, the height and the width are the same.
2: Yeah. And then columnar. Just like a column. <laughs> the height is greater than the width. Makes sense. Yeah. So there are the three shapes. they are the three shapes. And then the second one is layers. Now there's only two layers, or is there three? No, there's only two. Well, there's two, but there's one there's that… There's two in definition. There's one that sort of sits between.
1: Yeah, but that's going to be a separate caveat.
2: Okay, let's do the two. Okay, the two is one layer thick. Okay, what's that called? Simple. Like you? Yeah. Right? So one layer thick. Simple. Simple. And then stratified is two or more. So stuck on top of each other like bricks. Yep. All right. Um, and that's stratified. That's stratified, yeah. But there's also pseudo stratified.
1: Yeah, so now, now we can add... So, okay, before we get to the exceptions to the rule, yeah. let's just put together some of the uh, the way they will be termed. Okay. So... If we go, what were the two
2: again? In, reg- uh, in regards to the layers? Yeah. Simple and stratified. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and then the shapes? Uh, we've got uh, squamous, squished,
1: cuboidal, cube, columnar, bucket like column. Okay. So then the categories, let me just count them. One, two, three, four. That's eight, actually, I think. One, two, three, six. Six. Call it sure? six. This, yeah, before, before oh, I bring in the caveats. Okay, okay. Okay. Okay, let's do it. So we've got... We'll start with the simple. So we're going to have simple squamous. All right. So that's one layer of flat squished
2: yep. cells. Yeah. Simple cuboidal. One layer of square cells. Yep. And simple columna. One layer of column-shaped cells. Yep. Now right. we go into so the
1: stratified. Like, yeah. We have stratified squamous. So many layers of squished cells. Yep. Stratified cuboidal. Many layers of square-shaped sh- cells. Okay. And then stratified columnar.
2: Right. Many layers of... Column-shaped cells. Right. So there's six. That's a six.
1: All right. Now we have the calliates, which are the exceptions to those six.
2: All right. What's the term that we use? Okay. So
1: yep. we may have a situation where if you were to look at the, the tissue, these, these epithelial tissue down a yeah. microscope, right. you may look at it and go, that's stratified. Okay. So it okay. looks like there's many layers. Yeah. But – and that's partly because the stains that they would use – commonly in histology, would be a stain for maybe cytoplasm Mm -hmm. and nucleus. Okay. Okay. So when you see the nucleus stains, you can kind of just see these purple dots Yep. and you
2: can kind of just see them lined up. Right. And you'd think if there's many layers, you'd see multiple dots on top of each other. Correct. But in this case, even though it looks like there's many layers, you only see one nuclear stain in a row. That's right.
1: So when you looked at it... um, Quickly, yep. you'd go, that's stratified because it looks like they're on top of each other. Right. Okay, but then you did a real close investigation and you actually find that they're columnar, yep. but they're kind of um, still single in, yeah. in appearance. It
2: looks like they're overlapping in a way. Yep. So, so that's... What's the term we use there? Pseudo. Pseudo meaning fake, right? Yeah, correct. So pseudo-stratified. So it's pseudo-stratified. So that's, stratified. that's the first
1: caveat. Okay. Is a pseudo-stratified epithelium Yeah. or sometimes... If you want to be technical, I don't know if there's an exception to this, but the example that we commonly would give is pseudostratified pseudostratified columnar epithelium. Hold
0: up. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com.
2: Yes, because okay. you, uh, what we find biologically or histologically is you don't really have pseudostratified cuboidal or squamous. It's simply just pseudostratified columnar, yeah. and that's got to do with the shape of the, the column. Okay, so that's given us seven so far. okay. What's the eighth one?
1: And the eighth one is transitional, which means it's changing from one type of sh- one shape to another.
2: Not the one epithelia, but the layer. the, the, the shape changes mm. as you move through the layers, is that right? Yeah. So give me an example here. And so
1: this is, would be um, dependent on the volume of what's in the organ at the time. So, if the organ is empty... Yes. So, if it's an organ that holds something... Like your heart. Um, anyway, let's say it, it holds a substance. Right. If that organ is empty with that substance, uh, it's the, the epithelium are brought closer together yeah. so that they're... Um, Lower surface area? Lower surface area and they kind of bounce back to a a particular shape. But as this organ starts to fill up with a fluid and gets bigger and bigger and gets it distends, it stretches the cells out. And so if you were to look under the microscope when it's been filled, Mm. it would look maybe more squamous. Okay. Whereas when it's an empty organ it would be... Um, or columnar, or, no, cuboidal. Col- yeah, that's right. So, so basically
2: th- what you're saying is if you have a look down the microscope of organs that can distend and contract um, or change the shape like a bladder, for example, even though we'll go through specific examples soon. Correct. I'm sorry for bringing that up because I know that you probably were intentionally you not it. saying it. You ruined it. it. Ruined it. Um, you'll see that going from the basal side to the apical side of these uh, stratified epithelia, so there's many layers, it's probably going to be more columnar at the basal layer and then probably more cuboidal and then as we get to the apical layer, it's going to be more squamous. And and that's the transition of the epithelia that you see in these types of um, regions that can change their shape. Yeah. So what we've got is we've got simple squamous epithelia, simple cu- cuboidal epithelia, simple columnar epithelia, Pseudostratified columnar epithelia, stratified squamous epithelia, yep. stratified cuboidal epithelia, stratified columnar epithelia, and transitional epithelia.
1: Yep. Now there are a few additional oh, names you can throw at the front of these terms. Oh, okay.
2: Because they have
1: additional Features. specialization. Yes. Now, Features. Features. Yeah. Now, when we go to, uh, remember I said some co- important principles of epithelium. Yep. So we have one being the basement membrane. We have their close proximity to each other. That's number two. Number three is the surfaces. Right. Now, on the apical surface, sometimes there are going to be specialised uh, appendages.
2: Yep. Or features again. Or features. <laughs> they can interact with the environment now, it's exposed to. Right. Yeah.
1: Now, one of them could be little uh, hairs. Uh, eyelashes. Right. That's where the name comes from, cilia. Oh. So, so cilia cilia are little projections. You know, when people talk about you and I, they say you're sillier than I am. <laughs> so cilia would have projections from the apical surface out into the lumen, let's say. Yeah.
2: Okay. Which, lumen means hollow inside, Yeah. dear
1: listener. And so that would give a name to it. So now you could have, if you want to be technical, yeah. you could be... Um, pseudostratified, ciliated, columnar epithelium.
2: Right, pseudostratified. So it looks like there's many layers, but there's not. Columnar. So the shape is column. But they got
1: ciliated in there. Yeah. Cilia. You got Stratified. cilia is in the in the name as well. So
2: wait, pseudo. What's it called? Pseudostratified, Cilated. ciliated, ciliated. Yeah. Columna epithelium. Oh, columna epithelium. There right. you go. And so it tells you about its modification Correct. that it has on its apical so surface. Not
1: only is it sort of stratified, but yep. it's also got
2: cilia on it. Okay. Let's not talk about its function yet because we will as we yep. move through. And one other but one we, we can use, yeah.
1: uh, keratin. Or keratin, keratinized. I say keratin, yeah. or Keratinized,
2: yeah. Keratinized. But that's is that on the surface? That's embedded in the cells. Yeah, but that it?
1: just gives the, an additional name that I'm saying. Oh, gotcha. So when you look at stratified squamous, yeah. it could be keratinized or non-keratinized yeah and so keratin being a protein yeah adds waterproofing yeah so skin we'll get there skin would be called now i'm just saying in terms yeah. of technical terminology mm. you would say the skin is keratinized stratified squamous epithelium right because it's got waterproofing in it right. whereas if you look at the esophagus which is also stratified squamous it's non-keratinized yeah because it's Shouldn't be waterproofed because it is in water all the time. Yeah.
2: Okay. Uh, Does that make sense? It does make sense. I want to know some more apical uh, features. You've said cilia. Is there anything else that can be on there? You can have
1: uh, microvilli. Right. Microvilli. Fingertip like projections. Fingertip, yeah. Yeah. Because that just. Cilia
2: beats, right? Like cilia has motile capacity Uh, to it. Some do. And usually uh, uh, in, in simultaneous motion. Generally. Do you want to talk about this now or will we come back so to I it? I just want to say what it does and then when we talk about the specifics it will make a bit okay. more sense. So cilia can beat. Cilia can beat, so that's the motile yeah. form of
1: cilia so yeah. that can beat that that wave like movements. So that could be the like waves of uh, I don't know wheat in a field when a, a breeze of oh wind blows through it. Yeah, Okay, um, got a poet here, everyone. (laughs) But would be a motile form, but also the flagella at the sperm would be a form of cilia that is moving the the cell in this
2: case. And what about uh, villi, microvilli? Microvilli,
1: um, these are just, again, membrane projections out. Like fingertip-like projections, yeah. And yeah. that's...
2: But they don't move around, do they?
1: No, but they in improve or increase the uh, absorptive capacity of that cell.
2: By and simply increasing the surface area. Yeah,
1: and so, so some, this is quite... When I came across this, it was quite surprising. Yeah. Some microvilli on one cell have got 15,000 microvilli projections. Per cell? Per cell. 15,000 per cell? Yes. Isn't it amazing? Oh,
2: boy. So and, and what do you think the average size is of a epithelial cell? Obviously, in the microns. Yeah, in microns.
1: I don't know, maybe 10 microns. Yeah,
2: I'll try and figure that one out. So that, and obviously that, its entire job there is to increase surface area. Yes, that's right. And that's how you would have that huge
1: capacity for absorption in your gut. Wow. When you think of your gut, it just is like a seven metre tube, but... Did you say 10 micrometres? 10.
2: Yeah, it's good. That's it. Average epithelial size is between 10 to 30 micrometers in diameter. Good job. So to have those
1: additional projections, microvilli um, would just Im- improve or increase the surface area for that absorption. Of Any water. other features? Oh, then then you can have other features. You mean outside just projections? Yeah. Well, you could have things like enzymes. Right. So they're producing, and I think in the microvilli case, correct me if I'm wrong here, these enzymes would be, may be secreted into the microvilli, and this is what is termed brush border, right? Mm-hmm. And as nutrients that you've consumed in your food meet the brush border enzymes, they can then undergo further modification. So an example being, let's say, disaccharides, mm-hmm. where you, let's say, you've just consumed some dairy. Yeah. So let's um, say sucrose. Well, I was going to say oh, lactose. Okay, Lactose. So... Lactose being a galactose and a glucose bonded together, Mm -hmm. as this molecule moves towards the microvilli, in the microvilli would be lactase, Mm. which is an enzyme that's been created there by the apical surface, presumably. And then that would cause the lactose to undergo a modification into glucose galactose and then that can be absorbed across the microvilli in through the cell, across into the blood supply and then off to the liver. Yep. So, enzymes is one, ion channels would be one, which is going to be important for those specialised uh, receptors that are picking up, you know, sound or vision or mechanical deformation.
2: And not even just that though, like most cells of the body have uh, particularly excitable cells and I know that's muscle nervous which aren't epithelial but glandular are excitable cells as well and they are modified epithelia Um, but epithelial cells of certain parts of the body like the kidneys or the nephrons specifically uh, require sodium potassium ATPase pumps and so they require the ability to transport ions from one side of the membrane to the other and interestingly when you look at uh, the epithelial cells of the nephrons in the kidneys so remember the kidneys Filter our blood, and then we filter 200 liters of our blood every single. Or we create 200 liters of filtrate from our blood, but we don't pee that out, right? We reabsorb 99% of it back into the body, and the way that we do that is through the epithelial cells of the nephrons in the kidneys. And would that be
1: microvilli as well?
2: uh, To a small degree, maybe. uh, Maybe to a small degree, but my point is that the apical side and the basal side both engage with transport of ions nutrients, wastes, things like that. And so you've got the movement of ions, for example, on one end. So for example, you can have the basal end having a whole bunch of sodium-potassium pumps creating gradients so that the other end can transport either sodium ions, calcium ions, chloride ions, potassium ions, hydrogen ions, bicarbonate ions, whatever it may be, uh, setting up gradients. So that's just an example of how epithelia can Uh, Engage with and transfer and move uh, ions.
1: Okay. Um, Since we're here, I'm going to just finish off the last couple of points with the cilia. Okay. Because I think I don't think we'll come back to it, so I might as well just say it now. Yeah. So when you spoke about cilia, Mm. which are the projections from the apical surface of epithelia, we we spoke about the motile form, and we'll come back to that when we talk about the respiratory tract. But there's another type which is non-motile, which they call a primary cilia. And so this is some, ceil- some epithelium that just has a single projection like a antenna right. that just sticks out into the lumen of the extracellular environment.
2: The apical surface.
1: Yes. All right. And it's thought that they are like sensors for that particular area. So you may have ependymal epithelium, which are uh, lining of the CSF of your central nervous system.
2: Yeah, so that's cerebral spinal fluid. So they're the ventricles.
1: The ventricles and the whole the whole way through the CSF uh, transport system. Yeah.
2: Now, so the hollow inside of your brain. Yeah. You've got ventricles. Yeah. And the epithelia that line them are called ependymal cells. Now, some some of them may have. And these, they've got these projections. Some not, not necessarily saying every single
1: cell or every separate every single ependymal cell, but interspersed in there, you're going to have these epithelium that will have these primary cilia yeah. that stick an antenna into that environment. Right. And Almost taste it. Ooh. So they're like receptors that are picking up that environment for chemical or osmotic or mechanical information. Right. To feed back and tell the body what's happening there. So that, that could be sense. in the 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 bile duct, it could be in the kidney, it could be, as I said in the CSF, and that, that's a function of that cilia is to almost uh, observe, observe what's, what's, happening what's happening in the environment. To feedback and say Very cool. is there a problem or is everything okay?
2: Like it. I like
1: it. Now the other one, yes, is a nodal cilia, and right. the only one I could find in this. What was the other one called? That was called a primary, because right. it's just one. Yeah, the other one are the motile ones. Yeah. Okay. Now the nodal form, what this one does is it just beats around in, like a, almost doing it a lasso. Right. You know, like a yeah. cowboy. Yeah. The yeah, <laughs> cilia loop around like a lasso. Right. Now, the only the only place that I found so it forms a rotational like a whirlpool almost. Really? Yeah. Now the, the location of where this happens. Yeah. Is in the embryo. Right. In the in the in the time where we have the bilaminar disc, so that we have two layers of cells. Yeah. But the top layer and the bottom layer. Mm. Now, this is moving from the second week into the third week of right? embryological development. Yeah. Yeah. Now on the top, so the bilaminar disc. Um, the epiblast, you start to have these cluster of these cells starting so firstly, to form. So w-
2: w- what, what is the
1: disc? Like what, what a... It's just basically... So basically have the the egg that will be fertilised by the um, sperm. Yep. Then that will just be going up the fallopian tube and all that's happening is just increasing number and number and number and of number cells of cells. Of cells. Are growing and by and the body. time it gets to the uterus, yep. at about a week, these group of cells cluster into... Two um, bands of tissue or two clumps of tissue, one on top of each other. Yeah, two and
2: clumps of cells, and that's and this is the the two discs is, you're referring two discs. to. And that's right. what does one ultimately turn into? Uh, well,
1: the top layer, the epiblast, will become a lot of the epithelium, the skin, and um, certain other specialized uh, tissue. Tissue. Yep. Um, the mesoderm, which will, this is what I'm going to explain now, right. of what, what this does. Okay. Yeah. And then the endoderm kind of just becomes the gut tube. Okay. okay? So
2: where's this little
1: <laughs> so lasso? there's a kind of a a streak that starts to form. Okay. It's called the, the nodal streak. Okay. And this lasso kind of area where, where they have a cluster of cells with these nodal cilia that forms, which is almost like a plug hole. And so it's creating this rotational movement. And, and then what happens is all these cells from the top layer gets sucked down the plug hole right. into the middle oh, like layer when You
2: pull the plug out of a yeah. bath yeah. okay and
1: it starts to fill mm. in between the two layers and now you have the third layer which is um, this is in week three yeah and now we have a trilaminar disc a, th- a third layer disc and this is going to become mesoderm which becomes everything else
2: right so the well, majority of muscle, the embryo yes nervous system
1: now the nervous system comes from the, epi, the epiblast, which right. is the ectoderm. So muscles
2: yeah. and other
1: organ structures? And yeah, pretty much everything. Wow. All the connected tissue, all that stuff comes right. in the middle because
2: part. Because of a single group of... lassoin nodal, nodal, nodal cilia cell. Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful. Mm-hmm. All right, let's now talk about, because it's 41 minutes in and we haven't spoken about some... Speci- so where you can find each example of these epithelia that we spoke about. So just to recap simple squamous epithelia, simple cuboidal epithelia, simple columnar epithelia, pseudostratified columnar epithelia, stratified squamous epithelia, stratified cuboidal epithelia, stratified columnar epithelia, and transitional epithelia. So I think what we should do is just go one by one, talk about its structure function. So talk about how form equals function, how its structure tells us what it does. We can then guess and impute where we can find it. And uh, then talk about what it does in that particular area. Love it. So, simple squamous. What does it mean again? One layer thick of flat cells. Right. So, it's very thin, like all these pancake cells, but they're not on top of each other, they're just next to each other. So, obviously, wherever that sits, it's not there to protect the underlying structure, right? Yeah. Because if you were to, it would be very easy to damage. It's just one layer of flattened cells. These flattened cells probably don't have much internal. Um, uh, structure to it remember inside cells have got the nucleus you mean um, like uh, organelles organelles mitochondria endoplasmic reticulum golgi apparatus so they are not making a lot of things no they're not making a lot of things it's it's simply there as a very minor barrier separating out the environments but it obviously wants to interact with the environment otherwise it wouldn't be thin it wants things to go across it it doesn't just want to absorb things and keep it for itself. It wants it to go all the way through it. So is it diffusion? Diffusion. Okay. So it's going. It wants things to go from one side of it to the other. Obviously into the bloodstream or to feed the cells that are on the other side of it. Okay. So where do you think we could have these types of cells or these types? Okay. Of I think the best
1: example that we can use mm-hmm. is the alveoli's of your lungs.
2: Sorry, uh, aviolis? Uh, uh, the avioli. Oh, right. And do you tend to have that with a um, a tomato base or. <laughs> you mean ravioli? Sorry, that's yeah. what I thought you were saying. Yeah. Sorry. Um, yeah, so the alveoli of the lungs, yeah. right? So the air sacs. Air sacs, yes. So this is where
1: gas exchange occurs. Yeah. So here you really want in the carbon dioxide to come from the blood out through the cell, across the alveoli into the alveoli sac so you can breathe it out. Yep. And the oxygen goes the opposite way. It goes from the air you breathe down all the tracks to your abioli, across these cells, into the blood.
2: Yes. So gas exchange across simple squamous epithelia is a great example. And I think probably the best example of simple squamous epithelia and its function in letting things pass across it. So diffusion. Um, uh, now I've got a couple of other examples. Yes. But... Will conf-
1: no. It's not confusing, but the yeah. name then changes. Okay, what do you mean, the name. All right, so as in it's not called simple squamous. Correct. What's it called? I'll get to that now. What? Okay. <laughs> so if it's a squ- so one location of a simple squamous is in blood vessels. Right. Okay. So the the lining of your blood vessels where is intimate with blood. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter whether it is an artery or a capillary or a vein. Mm-hmm. It's still this simple squamous cell. Now, when we refer to these, we don't call them simple squamous anymore. We call them
2: endothelium. And that's because they're slightly modified, right? Mm. Okay, so are they there for diffusion? Things will diffuse across them in some places. Yes, but not gas necessarily. I mean, it can, but it's not like the way that your body gets fed is through diffusion of your arteries or veins. It's simply through um, the movement of the gases well, it will diffuse through the capillary membranes, yeah. um, but it will be for other things as well, yeah. right? So, yep. Yeah. And so
1: then, so that's one example. That's where it changes its name, endothelium. Yep. Yeah. Okay, now you could be in the heart, so the lining of the inside of the heart, oh, the yeah. chambers of the heart. So this is where the blood is again, in intimate contact with this simple squamous tissue. We don't call it simple squamous tissue of your atria, or
2: your ventricles, we call endocardium. Right. And importantly, uh, what's underlying the endocardium will be a very thin layer of connective tissue, but will be a thick layer of muscle tissue. And so it's not because it's there to allow for gases to diffuse and feed the muscles of the heart. They get fed through the coronaries, but it's there simply because epithelia must provide barriers. So you're not just going to have muscle-exposed to the blood inside your heart, it's uh, it just yeah, doesn't yeah. happen, right? You're always going to have this cellophane or cling wrap or whatever that's wrapping around it to protect it.
1: Well, the cellophane and the cling wrap is good for the next word. So the right. next the next term is a simple squamous that wraps the outside of the heart, mm-hmm. or the peritoneum, yep. or the pleura. Right. Okay. So this is. Uh, the cavity now, so the cavity where your lungs are, we call pleura, the cavity where your heart is, pericardium, and the, the cavity where your or your intestines, stomach, all those visceral tissues are, peritoneum.
2: Now this is what I find tricky, right? They're simple squamous epithelia, generally two layers, right? You've got the- Visceral and parietal? Yes, you've got the layer that's most adherent to the organ, which is the- uh, visceral, yeah, and the one that's uh, most furthest away on the body wall, yep which is parietal. Okay, but these simple squamous epithelia aren't there for diffusion per se. They they actually produce and secrete fluid. Fluid. Now, but interestingly, it- they can also do uh, absorption or
1: diffusion. Yeah, and that's part of you know an example is the peritoneal dialysis. Yeah, and so you can actually oh, yeah, put yeah. fluid into a per- if a person's got a kidney failure, you can put fluid into their. Peritoneum, and yep. they can absorb fluid across into their blood and vice versa. So it almost works like a dialysis machine.
2: Right. So it's it's not just there to protect and provide, uh, but it does what you said. Yes. So So lubricates. Yes. And stops friction. But maybe, and I need to double check this. Maybe there are dispersed glandular cells between. Yeah, you'd think so. The because uh, I wouldn't think that, and like I, goblet cells, could yeah, I, I could be wrong, but I wouldn't think that it's the simple squamous cells that are producing the mucus. And wow. what's these collectively? What's this termed? Well, not mucus, but the the, the lubricant fluid. Uh, what's what termed? Uh, the lining of these
1: body mucus membranes. Mm, body body. So we've said endothelium, endocardium. Yeah. What yeah. do we call these that are the body cavity linings? What do we call mesothelium?
2: Oh, meso- Yes, of course. And so you may
1: have heard of the cancer called mesothelioma. Ah, uh, yes. Which is generally a risk factor for that is asbestos. Yes. So breathing in this. Uh, fiber
2: that comes oh yeah I guess it's natural right it yeah. comes from rock how does it affect the mesothelium if it's not going to be in direct contact with the uh,
1: well I guess it's bro- breathed in somehow it gets does it get absorbed across
2: the, across the alveoli yeah it must somehow it must get throw. across yeah
1: and then it sits in a place which becomes toxic so to it just can't be removed and Horrible. then that causes the environmental change. Okay,
2: so simple squamous. Are we done with simple squamous? We're definitely done with it. So predominantly though, simple squamous epithelia uh, is there so things can diffuse across. Yep, Okay. that's the best example I think. Next one is simple cuboidal epithelium. So it's one layer and what that tells you again, if it's one layer, it's generally telling you that it wants something to get in or get out, right? Um, Because if there's many layers, it's very hard for things to move across. So simple is going to tell you If it's squamous, it's for diffusion in and out. If it's cuboidal, well, it's telling you it's cuboidal for a reason. It's cuboidal because it's going to have some internal components to it. It's going to have some organelles and those organelles are going to do something. And generally, it's going to be either to produce something or to deal with something that it absorbs uh, or uh, to modify something, right? So I think uh, a good example of this is uh, the cells of our kidneys, like our nephrons, for example. They're generally simple cuboidal because, yeah, the tubules, because we want things to uh, go into it, be modified, and go into the other side of it and vice versa. It's not just to go all the way through unchanging necessarily. Mm -hmm. Um, And also you can think about uh, the uh, surfaces of um, ovaries, sweat glands, Mm -hmm. Um, anything else that you can think of. Oh, just exocrine glands,
1: Yep. Okay,
2: so define exocrine.
1: Exocrine is a gland, glandular tissue that makes something, but it secretes it into an external environment, which yep. is most likely a duct. Yeah.
2: So anything... Opposed that, to endocrine, which is into a blood vessel. So these cuboidal cells can produce something that it can release into the hollow lumen of the environment it's facing, or it can absorb something, modify something, uh, and then take that something to the other side. It's basal membrane, particularly yep. that if you're in the uh, the kidneys. Yeah. Um, any other examples you want to talk about for that? No, I think you said. All right. Simple columnar epithelia. So this is again one layer, but these tall, long, rectangular-shaped uh, cells. Now they're bigger, bigger internal environments, more organelles, more of a capacity to deal with either producing something for s- secretion. Yeah. Or to modify something that goes in. Right. And so in this case, uh, I like to think about the gastrointestinal tract because its whole purpose is to take larger foodstuffs, break it down into small, more manageable pieces that it can then absorb. Sometimes it needs to modify it in these columnar cells and then it pushes it out the other side. If it's fatty acids, for example, uh, it can push it into the lymphatic system. Lacteals. Lacteals. Uh, or if it's like um, glucose or amino acids, uh, amino acids it's going to push it into the bloodstream. Um, but sometimes it needs to modify them before, before it does that, uh, particularly those of the fatty acids. And that's one of the reasons why it's these big, long, columnar-shaped cells. But they also play a role in secretion. So, you know, you've got these types of cells in the intestines and the gallbladder and they produce, you know, this viscous mucus uh, fluid that it needs to release as well.
1: Yeah. Okay. So the yeah the like the stomach pits, let's say. Yeah. 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 Or gastric pits.
2: Uh, Anything you wanted
1: to add with? No, I think I think gastrointestinal tract is a good one for that. Yeah. And so as we spoke earlier, these may also have microvillo on them to increase that absorptive capacity,
2: particularly when you're in the intestines. Yes. So again, the question that the student might ask is, why do some cells have cuboidal and why do some cells have columnar if they both have internal you know, organelles, uh, organelles, uh, why one over another? And again, this is gross simplification, but the way I see it is that the bigger the volume inside, the greater the capacity to produce something for secretion or to deal with something that's being absorbed. So for cuboidal, again, that main place in the tubules of the nephrons of the kidneys, uh, it needs things to cross the apical side and the basal side, but it also needs something to happen inside of the cell, whether it be a concentration gradient. If it's squamous, then you can't create a concentration gradient. There's no inside for you to create a negative charge or a positive charge, right? It's not necessarily going to be doing a lot of producing um, mucus or fluids or things like that because it's not big enough. It costs a lot of energy to produce um, secretions and that's where the columnar come in. Mm. So the columnar is going to be able to deal with things on the inside a little bit better and that's producing uh, fluids and secretions and so forth but can still take something in Deal with it and push it through the basal end as well. Yeah, is that all right? Do you think? Yeah, okay. So then we go to the pseudostratified ones. Yes.
1: Now I think here the best example is the upper respiratory tract. Yeah, I agree. So these would be uh, a cluster of cells that would have cilia on the top on the apical surface.
2: Yep. So the eye, the beating eyelashes.
1: Yep, and interspersed in these cells would be a mucus-producing cell, yep. so goblet, goblet cells. cells, and so the. Kind of the reason for doing this is it's part of the innate immune system mm-hmm. and because we're breathing in the outside world effectively, um, we could be breathing in sort so all sorts of kind of toxic or problematic substances, mm. whether that are microorganisms or whether it's, you know, dust, pollen, um, uh, what we call it? Mites. Yes. The poos are mites. Ugh. Dust mites. Right. Which is interesting. I was going to talk about this earlier, but dust mite poo causes the breakdown of the lateral surface um, adherence between each other. Really? And that can cause… Um, like leakiness. Leakiness and they're more likely for individuals to get allergies. So
2: uh, like leaky endothelium?
1: No, no, the epithelium. So if you've got, let's say, you know how some people can get… Allergies to dust mites. Mm -hmm. Part of the reason for that is because you're breathing in their feces. Right. That's horrible. Within their their feces is chemicals that can break down the um, adhering layers between the lateral surfaces of the epithelium. So where they're holding their neighbor tightly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That chemical in the poo breaks it down, which makes the protective layer less functional. Right. And that can lead to individuals' allergies.
2: Okay. Yeah. So,
1: and then that can be also, and it, this can be also part of the reason for um, when people get infected by, say, gastrointestinal bugs like yeah, yeah, bacteria yeah. and viruses. They that's one of their ways that they can they're producing toxic substances that can break down your protective layer of your epithelium, which then can take hold and then
2: cause infections. Mm. Yeah. All right, so we've got pseudostratified column epithelia in the airways. So, so, so where did you say again? Trachea. Trachea, bronchial tree, but also in your nasal cavity as well. Right. And you say that they have cilia on it. Yep. Now, because they're stratified, let's ignore the pseudostratified part. They're still stratified. It's just that they look like there's many layers. It's telling you that they've got a, a capacity to produce and secrete something, yep. right? Like the mucuses, for example. So you've got these cells with the goblet cells producing and secreting mucus into the lumen, the hollow inside. Uh, It's viscous, it's sticky, it's there to capture, like you said, things that you inhale. And then the cilia, what's the point of the cilia then?
1: The cilia then, uh, because it's motile, it will be moving in one direction. So beating. Beating. Yeah, moving to a beat. So... Like I was saying, the that's my the, beat on the table. The button. wind blowing through long grass, or
2: uh, okay, Robert Frost, just move <laughs> on. <laughs> or
1: uh, fields of okay uh, wheat. Yeah, it's pushing probably towards your pharynx. Yes, and then in the pharynx would so be upward yep, against gravity. So that what that would do is then it would be a method of you expelling that mucus with trapped uh, foreign agents, whether it's bacteria or. Um, pollen or dust or yeah. anything that's nasty yeah. that you've breathed in. so then typically you would then swallow it yeah. into your gut or, or into your stomach. Or spit it out. Or spit it out. And that would then kill
2: anything that's in there because the stomach acid is so strong. Okay, so uh, the mucus captures... And that's called the cili- ciliary... Mucociliary escalator. Escalator. So the mucus captures anything that it doesn't want to get down to the lungs and then the cilia beats it up yeah into your uh, pharynx so that you can swallow it or spit it out. That's right. All right. Now, now in
1: your nasal cavity it probably what? just dries out and becomes snot.
2: Yeah, that's a good point. Now, let's talk about why it's pseudostratified because that's a question that we always get from students. They'll always say, "Why isn't it just why isn't it just columnar epithelia?" The best answer I can find for this. I don't know the answer. Oh, really? No. Okay, so the best answer I've been able to find for this is that Being pseudo-stratified actually provides a slightly better layer of defense. Because the cells tend to be slightly overlapping, hence why they look pseudo-stratified, it's more difficult for them to be sort of torn apart okay, uh, and therefore it's a better protective layer. So if you think about it, that area is still going to be exposed to a lot of environmental potential toxins or damaging particles or whatever it may be. So it needs to be as protective as possible. Ideally, it would want a stratified layer to be protective but it can't because if it's stratified, it can't really secrete mucus because there's going to be too many layers to move through. Not possible. So its best option is to be pseudostratified. Yeah, I, I th- that's the best uh, answer I can. Okay, come up I like with. that. Now, should we
1: just bring in here quickly the idea of the transformation of cell type? No, nah, let's okay. finish it and we'll go back, back and we'll right. use that.
2: Okay. So what's the next one we're looking at?
1: Stratified, so now we go into the stratifieds now. Okay, so this stratified is now squamous. many layers.
2: All right, so stratified squamous epithelia, many layers of squish cells. So, so I think so the best
1: example here is the epidermis, so that this is the top layer of your skin. So when I look at you,
2: so like if I said, Matt, take all your clothes off immediately. Too late. Right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, if people are watching YouTube, I don't think we'd be able Would to, get like past to see this. that. No. Uh, like we want our audience to learn, uh, not vomit. <laughs> uh so anyway if you were to just get fully nude regardless of never, any- i'm a never nude oh really so you cut off <laughs> cut off jean shorts all right um even in the shower <laughs> so if i were to look at any part of your body i'm looking at epithelia yeah right so when you fall in love with somebody you're actually falling in love not just with their personality a dead person but with the epithelial okay well that's a good point so
1: every part of you that i can see is dead all right just hair all right enough
2: conjunctiva Yeah. Oral cavity. Okay. Skin. All right. And emotive. All right. So listen, the squamous cells are squished. We said they've got basically no internal components to them. That means that they also have no capacity to undergo metabolism. So effectively, by one definition, they're dead. These cells are dead. Not all of them, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, And because there's many layers of them, you've got many layers of, you could possibly classify dead cells, yep. right? They're avascular, so if you were to cut them or damage them, you're not going to bleed. Uh, and they generally don't have uh, nervous innovation. No, they them do. Either. They do. Well, the not, skin, the skin does. Yeah, not but, the cells individually. But what I'm saying is that the stratified squamous layer of your skin does not have neural innovation.
1: Well, it's got. It's got. Uh, nerve endings into it. Not in the stratified squamous. I think it
2: does. No, it's in the lower layer. So if you were to take... Oh, you mean like the dead part? Yeah, I'm talking okay. about... Oh, so oh. if you were to take the five layers yep. of your epidermis, mm. the most superficial layer, okay. um, which is the... Uh, what's the stratum... Corneum? Is that the most superficial layer? Yeah. Yeah, there's no neural innovation in, in that. Yeah, okay, I agree right? with that. Yep. I'll, I'll just see it as a collective... Okay.
1: So because we're saying stratified squamous here and the example is the epidermis, right? The whole layer of the epidermis, even though it's classified as a stratified squamous, it goes through different kind of properties. So the bottom layer, right at the bottom, mm-hmm. okay, the basal layer is probably more cuboidal shaped. Yep. Yeah. And now as you move, and the, and those cells are alive. Yep. Okay, that's a stem cell of your skin. That as you move up, uh, what is it now? Okay.
2: So from stratum basal, then it's stratum spinosum. Spinosum. So yep. there,
1: they're also alive. Yep. Okay. Then lucium, is that right? Uh, then there's uh,
2: stratum lucidum. Lucidum. But so they're only really that lays only really on the palm of your hands and the of So they're
1: see through. Yeah. And yeah. so they yep. technically still alive. Yeah. Now you're moving to dead cells, right? Stratum corneum. Cor- corneum. But yep. there's one more, isn't there? Nope. Okay, So the top the top layers, so you're right, the top layers are just flaky dead cells., yep. so that wouldn't have a nervous supply. But I'm just talking about the skin epidermis, which is still classified as stratified squamous tissue.
2: Not all of them, though. That's the thing, right? That's my point. Is that, like you said, the basal layer, and you could possibly argue that the spinosum layer are cuboidal.
1: Yeah, but right? but I'm just saying when you have an example when when you're in an example when
2: academics fight
1: <laughs> when you when you're providing an example of stratified squamous tissue. Yeah. Right. The classic example that you would give would be
2: epidermis. Would be the most superficial layer of the epidermis. Yeah,
1: but I still think it's the epidermis is classified as a stratified squamous tissue, but unfortunately to be
2: in morphology, the bottom layer is more cuboidal. I think you're right by bulk. So for example, if you were to take those five layers of the epidermis, so let's just so that people have this in their head because they're probably going, what the hell are these morons arguing about, right? You've got your skin, And when we talked about the skin, people are like, yeah, I can see your skin, right? But the skin or the integument is actually made up of a multitude of layers. uh, You've got your epidermis, which is all epithelia, and then you've got your dermis, which mm-hmm. is going to be connective connected tissue, 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 muscle tissue, blood, nervous tissue, yep. right? So let's just talk about the epidermis, yep. the most uh, you know, superficial layer. Uh, again, it's epithelium and it's made up of those five layers stratum basal, spinosum, lucidum, uh, and, no, uh, sorry, basal, spinosum, granulosum, yeah, granulosum. I forgot granulosum, I mean. lucidum, and uh corneum so there's the five layers and that's going from deep to superficial the stratum corneum is very squished and the layers are like 30 to 50 layers deep but the rest are like one to two layers deep Mm -hmm. so when you look at the bulk of it yes the bulk of your epidermis Epidermis. is uh, stratified squamous yeah all right, but That's the way I've always done it. Okay. but And you're right. There's going to be neural innovation that goes up into the spinosum and granulosum, but not up into the corneum. Right. Ag- agreed. Yeah. Okay. So, but the whole point of this is they're basically dead because there's nothing inside. They're not doing anything is yep. the main point. And they're there simply like um, creating a brick wall to protect what's yep. happening inside to outside. If you hit it and cut it and graze it and damage it. Um, it's, Burn it. And burn it, you know, no big loss, right? It can grow back. Yeah, but if you start to move through into the deeper layers, yeah. right, you start to go from the corneum into the spinosum, granulosum, lucidum, or basal layers. Then you're going to start to feel something, mm-hmm. and then if you go even deeper into the dermis, uh, y- you can bleed. Yeah, right. Or that
1: in that case, yes.
2: Now, as a bit of a digression, but not really, your mum's skin cancer was of which of these types of cells. It would
1: be not in the basal layer because that would be a basal carcinoma. Yeah. That's affecting the stem cell of the skin, but it would be the next population up which would be the uh, spinosa, spin spine. Spin- yeah, the spinosa spine like. I think it's in that cluster of cells which they can also reproduce I believe as well. Mm. So the cancer would be in that now in her case what needed to happen as those cells started to become dysplastic. Mm. Um. So, not really appearing like they should. They then have the capacity, to, and this is what happened to her, move in uh, basally, or more deeply, and they were able to migrate through the basement membrane. Right. And then once it gets through there, now you're invade. It. So it Close becomes a like supply. a a uh, carcinoma in situ to an invasive carcinoma, yeah. which now is why so much tissue needed to be removed.
2: You've basically got access to highways. Yeah. Right. Blood vessels, lymphatic
1: tissue. And now, the squamous move. cell carcinoma is the second most invasive. If We're going to just call the skin cancers three main types, yeah. basal cell, squamous cell, melanoma. Yeah. But the melanomas are the most aggressive. They come from the melanocyte, which is not an epithelium of such. Mm. It's a pigmented cell that throws melanin into the mix to yes. help with protecting the basal cell, which is the mitotically
2: active cell in the epidermis. Yeah, protecting it from UV light, UV which light. can damage DNA. Right. And obviously, you don't want to damage the DNA of the basal cells because they're stem cells, uh, because if you damage that, you've now damaged a cell that can possibly lead to the creation of a whole bunch of damaged mutant yeah. cells, yep. which is not a great thing. Correct. Right? Okay, so we've we've, we've done that. It's there for protection, yep. is the stratified uh, squamous.
1: And the big And just one... Big difference there, and we said it earlier. You could have keratinized or non-keratinized. Oh, yeah. So the skin is a good example of keratinized because that the top layer is all keratin. Yeah. Whereas if you're looking in the esophagus or the oral cavity, that's going to be non-keratinized, which yeah. is
2: non-waterproofed. Yeah. Good point. Stratified cuboidal epithelium, many layers of cube-shaped cells. So this is a tricky one because. We said that there's something inside and it wants to produce or absorb something, but if there's many layers, it's very difficult. Generally, you find these cells lining ducts. Yeah. So for example, if you have a look at a tube of the gastrointestinal tract, for example, you might find as you go through these, uh, this tube that there might be what look like divots or crips or grooves that go in. Pits. Pits. And if you follow Brad, those pits, Brad. if you follow these Brad pits, you'll find that the cells that line them are stratified cuboidal. And generally they play a role with producing and secreting into that pit. So uh, they could be salivary glands. uh, They could be sweat glands. They could also just be glands that produce secretions for the gut or or mammary glands.
1: An interesting one I come across was halocrine glands. Which is? Halocrine glands. Oh, hello. Um, So these would be um, sebaceous glands of the skin, but also... Meibian glands or the eyelid, eyelid glands. Oh, okay. So they produce like a fatty, um, lubricating fluid. To protect the eyes. Correct. Right. But interestingly with these type of glandular cells, they produce all their uh, secretory products within the cytoplasm. Yeah. But as they are ready to secrete, they undergo apoptosis. So a controlled form of death. Wow. So the cell starts dying releasing not only the secretory granules but also the contents which becomes part of their... So its job in life is to produce
2: one batch of secretion and
1: then die and then die for the team. Wow.
2: Well, there you go. So it's its gift to the world before it passes. Yeah. Wow. How oh, beautiful? How generous, yes. Uh, stratified columnar. Yeah. This I, is an interesting one. You've, this is a very rare type of epithelial. You don't really find it... Uh, in many places, but the one place that you can find... Sweat it really is Oh, really? I don't know. I was going to say the male urethra um, and also the conjunctiva of the eye. Oh, the eye. Right? And again, a, a bit of secretory function there. Um, but it's, it, it's not common and it's probably just a byproduct of the location. Yeah, okay. Right? Uh, and then finally, transitional epithelia. Which best example is the
1: urinary bladder. Yeah.
2: Sorry for ruining it earlier, by the way, by it, stating that. Okay. No, I didn't. I can't you remember say that's it. okay, Mike. Remember you were talking about what transitional epithelia are. And I said like the bladder. And you obviously refrained from saying the bladder because we're going to do it later. but That's the urinary bladder, not the gallbladder. Correct. But anywhere for distension, hollow, lined by epithelia, needing to distend and come back, it's just going to have from possibly columnar to cuboidal to uh, squamous. this That's the various layers. But it's just so it has the capacity to change shape.
1: So if you were holding on to your uh, your urine... Yeah, just could, in my hands you like, could, like You this. couldn't make it to the toilet. Yeah. Uh, have you ever had to hold on for so long your bladder goes numb?
2: Well, I don't know about numb. I have once. Uh, but I've had it so that it was actually difficult to initiate the wee.
1: But then when you wee in, can you... You lost feeling to... Oh, remember, yes. You, you can't feel it coming out?
2: Oh, if if you wee for long enough, yes, if, if that's what you mean. I've had to go... I've been busting so much that I've probably got 12 litres of urine, obviously, yeah. not, I did sitting it once. there. I did. And you peed for so long, I'm like, I don't know if I'm still peeing or not.
1: I did it once at a football grand final. Not, right. I wasn't playing, I was a spectator. Okay. But I had such but a... But you
2: peed onto the pitch.
1: <laughs> but I had such a good seat... I didn't want to give up the seat. Right. So I sat there for- Why would you
2: give it up? People, you, what Someone would just snake your seat if you left.
1: Yeah, because it wasn't like, a, you know, NRL. you know, It was a local football right. game. It good spot. And it was a good spot. And yeah. I, I knew my mates who were behind me. They would just steal it. Right. So I was like, I'm going to hold on to this. By the time I got to the toilet, because then uh, even after the, the game, everyone yeah. was using the loos, Right. So I'm like, I've got to hold this till I get home. Then when I finally did it, yeah, I couldn't feel it coming out. Wow! But I was there for like two minutes.
2: Wow! Like Austin Powers when he first gets <laughs> defrosted, he—I uh, think he wheezes a fair few times there. So,
1: I, so my question here is: when yes. it's so full, yeah, what would the cell layers look like?
2: Uh, Just all squamous. I suppose so, because they'd be as stretched out as possible. Would that wasn't, wasn't one, one of be the, the other way around? Wasn't one Wouldn't of you the, see the,
1: the famous um, philosophers or one of the famous scientists in the Enlightenment period? supposedly die from bladder bladder. bladder explosion because he
2: couldn't go to the, he was at dinner with the royals oh the astronomer yeah um, uh, the dutch astronomer yeah, yeah. what is his name I reckon that's false though it's on the tip of my tongue yeah I think so I don't like. I mean I, theoretic- think, you just wee, I think you just wee yourself theoretically your bladder can burst but that's from trauma yeah right or uh, poorly um, inserted catheters. catheters yes it's not going to burst from holding your pee uh probably the worst thing that would happen is you just piss yourself. Yeah, I think I think you'd piss yourself before your bladder bursts. Yeah. All right, so we've gone through that. It's all the layers. That's all the Done. layers. Wrap it up. Now, okay, um, we will probably do another podcast on uh, pathologies on the, the skin because we do need to talk about dysplasia, metaplasia, and things like that. Um, Basically what – Yeah, let's just do a definition of that because I think that would be a good finisher – so the
1: two terms here, metaplasia and dysplasia are commonly associated with epithelium Yeah. because the reason for epithelium change in form is that they are generally associated with a, a stem cell mm-hmm. that reproduces epithelium. Mm-hmm. Okay. So these epithelium that we spoke about, they usually have a cell that helps renew them. Yeah. Okay. Now in metaplasia, this is meta meaning to change, I yep. guess. Yeah. Um, the Basically what's happening here is there's an environment that changes in a way the stimulus to the stem cell mm-hmm. and the stem cell tries to change its morphology to suit that environment. Yeah, that's right. And so the best example would be your airway again, pseudostratified ciliated epithelium. Yeah. But if you were to expose it to tobacco smoke. Yeah. So smoking cigarettes for long periods of time, that environment is Toxic to those cells. Yeah. And they say, look, this is not great.
2: Yeah. I'm supposed to be producing mucus here, that's yeah. why I'm columnar, And I, I need these cilia, cilia. I need to protect myself.
1: And so the not only does the tobacco it actually um, paralyzes the cilia. So mm. the cilia are just like frozen. Yep. They can't beat anymore. But they need to become more protective like. Yes. So the stem cell says, Bugger, make it any more columnar cells. ciliated cells. I'm just gonna make stratified cells. Yeah. And I'm just throw Layers on here. Yeah. Protected. And this is part of the reason why a smoker can't expel foreign agents anymore. Yeah. Um, and rather they rely on a cough. That's the yes. smoker's cough. Yeah, exactly.
2: So, so metaplasia is uh, changing uh, of a cell uh, into an established cell type in order to protect it ultimately. Of an environmental stimulus. Yeah. Okay. But it is reversible. All so, right. it can change.
1: Another good example. Okay is the esophagus. Oh, yeah. When you get a lot of reflux. Yep. It's changing from a stratified squamous into a type of columnar. columna. It's more like what you'd find in the stomach.
2: Yeah, because it's like, oh, I'll try my best to secrete something that neutralizes this acid. Yeah, or protect it. But it's not not effective. Okay, so that's meta, dis. So the dis as a prefix is telling you that it's problematic. Disordered. Yes. Dysfunctional. That's right. So, this is a change in cell type, but generally uh, into an abnormal cell type. Now, this has become, this is now termed a pathology. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, there's abnormalities associated with the change. It could be a structural abnormality or a functional abnormality or a problem with the internal components are are abnormal.
1: And in many cases, this is termed precancerous. Gotcha. So, if you were to look at a biopsy of a tissue that's dysplasic, they would potentially say that this is precancerous not quite cancer but on the way to yeah so again you could use the example of the esophagus and it's now changed metaplastically to dysplastic yeah so what would start to happen is i think it's called pleomorphism so you now have instead of one cell type being a change from stratified squamous into columnar mm. now you have all these weird cobblestone in right so you have Cuboidal, columnar, squamous, all in this group. Yeah. And so they're a mixture of everything and plus they're also highly mitotic. So they're they're replicating quicker. Yeah. And so that's part of what cancer will become is
2: an uncontrolled growth of cells. And this will lead me to the last point of the podcast, which is the reason why most cancers are cancers of epithelia is due to that particular reason. So the most common
1: cancers in Australia... Yeah. In terms of by percentage mm-hmm. frequency, yep. would be breast cancer, right? Prostate cancer, yeah. Lung cancer, mm-hmm. skin uh, cancer, colorectal cancer, skin cancer, skin cancer. So all, top five, all, all epithelium. are epithelium. So, so breast reason, cancer, yeah. Al- either lobule, yeah, or ductal, but they epithelial. Lung, yep. you know generally the lining or the alveoli. Mm-hmm. Um, bowel would be the lining or or the glandular, yeah. Um, skin, three types, yeah. melanomas, basal cell, squamous cell. Yep. Was there one more that I missed? Um, oh, prostate. Prostate.
2: Usually to- gland- glandular. Yeah. And the the reason why, it, well, twofold, or at least there's probably more, but the main reasons. Uh, one is that these are the cells that are exposed to the environment, right? Because they create the barriers. And so, if they're exposed to the environment, they're going to be exposed to whatever is bring, being brought into that environment. So again, whether it be smoke from for your lungs, whether it be uh, other form of toxins uh, through your digestive tract, uh, you know, they're going to be the areas exposed to the environment. That's the first thing. Second thing is that because they're exposed to the environment, they're often killed off quickly uh, and damaged and need to be replenished. And so the stem cells that underlie epithelia to make more, they... Undergo the cell cycle often. And the more you undergo the cell cycle, the more likely statistically you are to have a mutation uh, put into your genetic material and therefore increased likelihood of a cancer arising. So there's. Yeah. there's and two and also on top of that is as you
1: age, you have more errors in the system, right? Yes. It's just less efficient as it was when you were born, let's say. Exactly. And so it's just getting tighter and tighter. Yeah. And. and your, your immune system is less efficient at cleaning up
2: mistakes as well. Exactly right. Mm. Now, if you made it to the end of this podcast, we need to say a couple of things. First thing is, if you've sent us an email and we haven't said anything, it's because our website is screwed up. Something is wrong with our it's email. It's dysplastic. It is. For the past couple of months... Uh, we have not been able to access emails sent to uh, the, our website. So oh, we do apologize. GUBiosciences at gmail.com. I, we do apologize. We're trying to fix this ASAP. Um, so if we haven't got back to you or we haven't acknowledged your email, simply know that's because we haven't got it and we're so sorry. Um, next thing is you can contact us. Um, Let's just try social media at the moment, if you like, uh, which is at Dr. Mike Todorovic, at D-R-M-I-K-E-T-O-D-O-R-O-V-I-C on all social media platforms, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Twitter. Come say hi uh and um apart from that we'll try and get the email fixed or you can
1: email directly if you need to gubiosciences at gmail.com oh
2: that's true yeah, yeah do that directly but through the website it's not working at the moment yeah don't do it through the website do it straight from the email it's g-u-b-i-o-s-c-i-e-n-c-e-s at gmail.com and uh we really appreciate your support give us a five-star rating leave a comment Tell your friends, share it all. We love you. We do this for free, uh, and you know we 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 care about every single one of you. That's true. That's true. true. We uh, we want you all to learn about the body and be as well informed as possible. And as you can see, we try not to talk all about that other crap where we're trying to say, hey, here's here's a tool for your longevity, and hey, we're going to give you a protocol where you stare into the sun for five. I was going to talk morning. about today that cryotherapy that cryotherapy Tri- freezing yeah, yourself oh Phrase yeah freezing yourself there you go well that's what they do to cancers they freeze them alright <laughs> thanks everyone <laughs> speak soon right. bye bye